You are listening to Package Your Genius, a conversation designed to give you clarity on your calling and serve as a catalyst for your career. I'm your host, Amanda Miller Littlejohn. Welcome back to Package Your Genius. It's Amanda Miller Littlejohn here, your host here to talk to you today about saturation. So is your field saturated? Are you thinking about coaching or creating a a course or something else that you feel like everyone else is already doing and maybe it doesn't make sense for you to jump on board because the field is saturated. I've been seeing a lot of posts online recently about saturation, which made me want to hop on the podcast and share my thoughts about it because I have a few. So one post was about there being too many courses. There's so many courses out here. Everyone has a course. Another post was about there being too many coaches and both of the posts that I saw discouraged people who had never coached or created courses uh, from even starting and trying and seeing what they could do because of saturation. But saturation doesn't matter if you have a better solution, a more convenient solution, a more you solution. So when you think about coaches and courses simply as education, it makes me wonder why no one has ever said, why are there so many schools? right? Like there are just too many schools. We have public neighborhood schools, public charter schools, public magnet schools, Montessori schools, private independent schools, co-ed schools, single sex schools, pre-k to 12 schools, middle school only schools, high school only schools. And let's not even get started on college options from community to state university to small liberal college to prestigious Ivy League. No one blinks at education options when we're thinking about children, kids, and youth. It's considered an unspoken truth and fact of life that children must be educated. So an overwhelming list of options is what we've come to accept when it comes to education for kids. And when it's time to choose an educational model for our kids, we all as parents anyway, buckle down and look at what makes the most sense for our children and our family situation. Can we afford private or is public more our speed? What type of programs do they have for STEM? What's the art instruction and budget like? You know, my kid is super creative. We appreciate options when we look at them from the the vantage point of giving our kids the best because we understand that each child and each family is unique and has different needs. Well, children grow up. And their education needs evolve, but they don't disappear. And if you're a lifelong learner like I am, you already know that. That's why there are new books that come out every single day. There are constantly new ways to explain old problems. There are more modern methods and more up-to-date approaches to 
age old issues that plague us, which is why there are so many courses and coaches on the market. The economy is dynamic and changing. We need more people lighting the way, not less. We need more styles of instruction, not fewer. We need more diverse voices and content, not the same old, same old. So a book that I picked up late last year is called Dark Horse and it's by Todd Rose. And in the book he talks about, among other things, what he calls the standardization covenant. He shares that after the industrial revolution, we reached peak standardization. Everything had to be uniform. But now we are entering a new era, which is the age of personalization. So he talks through how the idea of standardization was born in factories and then it spread to schools and workplaces and people. And so everything needs to be uniform, but that is changing. And I wanted to read an excerpt from the book because it's beautifully written, number one. And I feel like I can't do it justice by simply giving you that quick description. So I'm going to read a passage from the book. It certainly made good sense to apply the standardization mindset to the manufacture of products. If you have a headache, you want every pill in a bottle of aspirin to be the same as every other. If you are driving across the country, you want a gallon of gas to be the same whether you buy it in Maryland or Missouri. And even though we might want our car customized to suit our personal taste, Henry Ford's standardization of automobiles underscored the greatest consumer benefit from standardized products lower costs. In Ford's era, the choice for most Americans was not between a standardized car and a customized car. It was between being able to afford an expensive black painted Model T or having no car at all. In fairness, if you are standardizing a system of production, then individuality truly is a problem. It's a problem for reliability, uniformity, purity, and efficacy, which means it's a problem for productivity. That's why individuality was systematically eliminated from industry at the dawn of the age of standardization. If we had limited ourselves to standardizing products, there might not have been any need for the book in your hands. But our collective notion of success and our individual ability to attain it was utterly transformed once we decided to standardize human beings the way we standardize aspirin. There was nothing sinister about this development. It was merely the natural extension into the workplace of an extraordinarily successful manufacturing philosophy. In the old 19th century system of custom craftsmanship that was eventually supplanted by standardization, a company's workplace was frequently reorganized to suit the sensibilities of each new crop of laborers. But the quote-unquote father of standardization, American industrialist Frederick Taylor, realized that in a system of factory production where machines were expensive and heavy, but humans were cheap and malleable, it was more efficient to arrange the workers around the machines than to arrange the machines around the workers. Thus, the first unfortunate souls to get standardized were the factory workers. They were assigned new roles that were fixed and unvarying, requiring little or no independent thought. Tighten that screw, tote that bell, cut 
that wire. By the time Charlie Chaplin wrote and directed the 1936 movie Modern Times, depicting his little tramp character haplessly battling a world of mechanized factories, almost every American worker had been transmuted into a cog in the great supermachine of industrial efficiency. Ray Kroc, one of standardization's most devoted acolytes and the founder of a franchise that continues to manufacture billions of identical Big Macs each year, justified this conversion of human beings into widgets by appealing to the wisdom of the standardization mindset. We have found out, as you have, that we cannot trust some people who are nonconformists. We will make conformists out of them in a hurry. You can't give them an inch. The organization cannot trust the individual. The individual must trust the organization. In this spirit, the early standardizers of the workplace devised a new form of business organization composed of a rigid hierarchy of two classes of employees. On the bottom were the workers whose obedient duty was to obey the orders we give them, do what we say and do it quick. On the top were the managers who told the workers what to do and henceforth were granted full authority to make all decisions within an organization. That sounds like a sweet deal for the managers, but even though they annexed most of the workers' previous power and autonomy, the managers too swiftly found themselves treated as interchangeable parts rather than distinct talents. In a standardized organizational hierarchy, every manager fills a fixed and predefined role. The duties of the comptroller and the director of marketing do not vary depending on the person who occupies the post. In a standardized workplace, no position is exempt from the dictum that individuality is a problem. Next, standardization spread to our children, admiring admiring the astonishingly successful standardization of the business world. Education reformers were inspired to redesign schools and the classroom experience around the same guiding principles of ruthless efficiency. In the early 20th century, the entire American educational system was transformed through standardized curricula, standardized textbooks, standardized grades, standardized tests, standardized semesters, and standardized diplomas. Replicating the industrial division of workers and managers, professional educators were henceforth divided into a rigid hierarchy of teachers and administrators. Classrooms were redesigned to emulate factories all the way down to school bells announcing class changes in imitation of factory bells announcing shift changes. Our schools are, in a sense, factories in which the raw products, children, are to be shaped and fashioned into products to meet the various demands of life wrote Elwood Cubbillery in his highly influential 1916 Guide to Educational Standardization, Public School Administration. First, we standardized work. Then we standardized learning. Then we integrated our standardized workplace with our standardized educational system, establishing standardized careers. And once the full passage of our experience was standardized from our first day of kindergarten until the morning of our retirement, it marked the complete standardization of a human life. 
Wow. Okay. So if you enjoyed that passage and you nerded out with me, I, first of all, thank you for listening. But this book is just so good. Um, again, the, the title is Achieving Success Through the Pursuit of Fulfillment, Dark Horse by Todd Rose. And he basically just talks about um, how individuality, individuality has been stomped out of us, but it's coming back and I definitely recommend the book but one of the premises is uh, in the book is that in this era of personalization education and work will both begin to be more personalized which is what I was getting at with this whole podcast we're already seeing the advent of different types of schools and for adults, all of these different courses and coaches on the market. So the proliferation of courses and coaches is just a natural response to this new wild, wild west of personalization, right? We're moving from standardization to back to personalization. People who've been educated in the standardized way, but maybe are now professionally coming of age, they have to relearn how to listen to themselves and uncover what they're really good at because schools have not necessarily done a good job of helping you understand how you're different because it's all about figuring out how to make you more like everyone else um, in terms of our education model. So people are more and more interested in investigating what unique difference they can make with their lives, not how they can fit into a role that was designed for just anyone with this specific set of skills. So the next time someone sows seeds of doubt around your new course or your new coaching or consulting venture, even if you're the person who's doing the sewing and you're doubting yourself, just remember that as our economy and society shifts from standardization to personalization, the need will probably grow even bigger than where it is now for good coaches and course creators and guides. If you don't like the term expert, we'll just call you a guide. Um, but the need is going to increase for people who can light the way. And so if that's you and you have a message to share that can help other people figure out their path, don't miss this wave. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Package Your Genius. If you are trying to figure out what unique difference you can make and you have not yet picked up a copy of Package Your Genius, Five Steps to Build Your Most Powerful Personal Brand, that is an excellent starting place for you. And summer is such a great time to dive into these concepts and really get clarity and space when things have slowed down a little bit at the office or with your business. You can take that time to get more clarity on the year that has passed and how you want to see yourself differently in the rest of the year and the years ahead. So check out Package Your Genius 5 Steps to Build Your Most Powerful Personal Brand on Amazon and also do a search for the companion personal branding workbook that goes with Package Your Genius because that's an excellent resource for you as well. So thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you and chatting with you again on my next episode. I'll talk to you later. Bye.